The following is a recording of the Ayn Rand Institute's Philosophy for Living on Earth webinar series. Sign up to attend the next webinar live at courses.aynrand.org forward slash webinars forward slash register. Love Does Not Require Sacrifice by Keith Lockich. Welcome to Philosophy for Living on Earth, coming to you live from the Ayn Rand Institute. This is a weekly webinar series exploring life's big questions and the answers to those questions coming from the ideas of Ayn Rand. So I'm Keith Lockich and I'm your host this week. And our big question for today is, does love require sacrifice? So the format for these sessions is that I'll give a presentation for about 15 or 20 minutes and then we'll open it up for a Q&A and a discussion. So let's just jump right in. So the question is, does love require sacrifice? Now, if you ask anyone that question today, the answer is almost certainly going to be, yes, absolutely, love requires sacrifice. If you look at any you know, self-help or psychology website, you'll see dozens of articles with titles like, you know, seven things you should sacrifice for a relationship or what you should sacrifice for love. You know, it's basically taken for granted in our culture that for any close relationship to work, there has to be a willingness to sacrifice. But is that really true? This is what we're gonna challenge today. One of the things that's interesting about Ayn Rand as a thinker is that she's always willing to question conventional wisdom. She never takes anything for granted. So even if the whole world thinks it's you know obvious that love requires sacrifice, Rand's approach is not to take anything as obvious and to look at every important issue with a fresh eye. So she actually, she was often asked this very question in interviews, you know, doesn't love require sacrifice? And her answer was always very interesting. Her approach was to ask, what would it actually mean in reality to say that love requires sacrifice? You know, what would that actually look like in practice? So. Imagine you're out with your boyfriend or your wife or the person you're in love with and they turn to you and they tell you how much they love you. You know, it's a beautiful moment. But then they tell you what they mean by that. What I mean is, you know, I don't actually enjoy spending time with you. You know, I'd, I'd much rather be doing something else right now. I love you as an act of sacrifice. You know, I'm not in this relationship for my sake, I mean, that would be selfish, right? I don't get any personal pleasure or happiness out of being with you, but I'm here because love requires sacrifice. So I'm willing to sacrifice my happiness by being with you. Now, how would you feel if that's what they told you? Obviously that would be horrible, right? But isn't that what it would actually mean to say that love requires sacrifice? So I think the question is, you know, what is a sacrifice? What do we actually mean by the concept of sacrifice? What Rand observes is that we often think about sacrifice in terms of doing things to benefit others. You know, so we think of it as a form of generosity or kindness or benevolence towards other people. 
But that is not what sacrifice actually means. What Rand argues is that what sacrifice actually means is giving up higher values for the sake of lower values. It means giving up something that's more valuable or more important to you for the sake of something that's less valuable or less important. Here's how Rand explains this point in her novel Atlas Shrugged. If you exchange a penny for a dollar, it is not a sacrifice. If you exchange a dollar for a penny, it is. If you achieve the career you wanted after years of struggle, it is not a sacrifice. If you then renounce it for the sake of a rival, it is. If you own a bottle of milk and you give it to your starving child, it is not a sacrifice. If you give it to your neighbor's child and let your own die, it is. If you give money to help a friend, it is not a sacrifice. If you give it to a worthless stranger, it is. If you give your friend a sum you can afford, it is not a sacrifice. If you give him money at the cost of your own discomfort, it's only a partial virtue according to this sort of moral standard. If you give him money at the cost of disaster to yourself, that is the virtue of sacrifice in full. So Rand's idea is that sacrifice means a loss of values, a renunciation of values. It's giving up the things that matter to you for the sake of things that aren't that important to you or for no reason at all. Now, the problem is the way we use the concept of sacrifice in our culture today is often confused and mistaken. <clears throat> you know, we call things sacrifices that are not actually sacrifices. So think of, you know, the entrepreneur who puts in 80 hours a week to get her business going, right? People will describe what she's doing as making a sacrifice. Or, you know, the college student who skips the cool party to study for his final exams. Or, you know, the mother who spends the time making homemade meals from scratch so she can have quality time with her family over a healthy dinner. These kinds of things are almost always described as sacrifices that people are making. But in all these cases, what the person is actually doing is investing their time or their effort in order to achieve a higher value. None of these are situations where someone is, you know, giving up their highest values. What they're doing is they're giving up lower values in pursuit of higher values. So they're making a trade-off. You know, they're investing in their business or their education or their family. That's not a sacrifice. One thing that Ayn Rand stresses is that it's really important to be very precise and very clear about the concepts that we use. So we think in terms of concepts, and our thinking will only be clear and precise if our concepts are clear and precise. So our thinking is only as good as the concepts that we use. So if something is an investment, you know, call it an investment. Don't call it a sacrifice if it's not actually a sacrifice. So this is the first point that I want you to take away from today's presentation. The first takeaway is just to be very clear on what we mean by a sacrifice. Sacrifice does not mean being kind or generous to others. It means losing values, renouncing the things that matter to you, giving up your highest values.
Okay, so that's the first point. <clears throat> so now let's come back to the issue of love and relationships. Now that we're more clear on the concept of sacrifice, let's apply that to our big question, does love require sacrifice? And the question is, you know, when people say that love requires a willingness to sacrifice, what do they actually mean? You know, do they actually mean that a loving relationship should involve situations where someone is losing their highest values, where someone is sacrificing in the sense that Rand is describing, you know, giving up the things that really matter to them for the sake of the relationship? Is that actually what people are endorsing? Well, so what kinds of examples or situations do people typically point to? You know, when they say that love requires sacrifice, what do they have in mind? You know, if you, if you look at those psychology or self-help listicles, you know, the 10 ways you should sacrifice for love, what kinds of things are on the list? So in my experience, people typically cite a range of examples. They typically span you know, look at examples spanning from kind of fairly small, minor issues to much bigger choices and life decisions. So, on the small side, you know, you have things like, you sit down to watch a movie together, you really want to see a comedy, but she's in the mood for a sci-fi thriller. So someone has to give way, and, and that's typically viewed as a sacrifice. You know, you're going to sacrifice watching that comedy so she can catch the next episode of The Expanse. On the bigger side, you have things like, you know, winter break is coming up. Your family is planning a ski vacation, but your boyfriend really wants the two of you to spend Christmas with his family. So again, the way it's typically viewed is someone has to be willing to sacrifice here, right? Or you really want your wife to join you for an event at your work, but it's on the exact night that she managed to score tickets to see her favorite band with her friends. Or let's take a much bigger example. You know, your partner has just gotten the huge promotion he's been after, but it requires moving to the other side of the country. Now, it is true that these kinds of issues come up in relationships all the time, and it's true that figuring out how to navigate them is critical to making any relationship work. But the question is, is it true that these are situations that require sacrifice? Think about this question. What does it mean to say that you love somebody? Well, I think it's pretty clear that what it means is that they are of value to you. It means that their well-being and their happiness are a part of your well-being and your happiness. As radical as it might seem to say this, love is actually a selfish value. To love someone means that they are an important personal value to you. So in a given situation, when you're weighing which of your values is higher and which is lower, you know, when you're trying to decide what's more important to you and what's less important, it can often be the case that your partner's happiness is the most important value to you in that context. Let's take that concert example just to concretize this a bit, okay? So your wife wants to go to the show with her friends, you want her to come to your work event. 
And let's make this simple, okay? Let's imagine that your office event is not really that important, okay? It's just drinks with your work buddies, okay? Let's also imagine, though, that the concert that she wants to go to is, you know, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity with, you know, front row seats and a backstage pass, okay? Now, clearly, she should go to the concert. I mean, this is an amazing opportunity, right? But the question is, is that a sacrifice on your part? I mean, you don't get to have her there with you at your work event, right? And you wanted her to be there. But is that really a sacrifice given the full context? You know, I think if you truly love your wife and you value her happiness, you would want her to go to the concert. You wouldn't want her or expect her to give that up for something so much less important, right? So the point is, it's not just that the concert is a higher value to her. It's that her enjoyment of the concert is a higher value to you. You wouldn't want her to miss out on that experience just to join you for drinks, which she can do anytime, right? So her enjoyment of the concert is a higher value to you. Now I've got it on this scale here. So this is me as a physicist here. The higher value is the one that is, has greater weight, so that's why it's lower. <laughs> thought I'd want to make that clear. We got this scale here. So her enjoyment of the concert is a higher value to you. It's, it's more valuable. So you wouldn't want her to miss out on that experience just to join you for drinks, which she can do anytime. So there's no sacrifice required here. You're not giving up a higher value for the sake of a lower value. Her enjoyment of the concert is a higher value to you also. Now, what would be a sacrifice in this situation? Well, I think a real sacrifice would be for your wife to give up the concert. Neither of you thinks it's important for her to come to your work thing. For her to give up the concert to do that, that would be a real sacrifice. And I think most people would agree that that would be a sacrifice and that, that that's not, but that, that this would be a bad thing and that this is not what she would do. But that is what a real sacrifice would look like in this situation. So, you know, that's one of these examples. Now, I think if you do the same kind of thinking about the other kinds of examples that people typically bring up in this context, if you think about the kinds of challenges that people face in relationships, what you'll find is that there's never a situation where love requires sacrifice. You know, watching movies together requires sacrifice. I mean, come on. Most couples in a healthy relationship figure out pretty quickly how to navigate that one, and it doesn't involve any sacrifice. So what does love require then? Well, what it requires is for people to give a lot of thought to their values. You need to be very clear about what's more important to you and what's less important. And your partner needs to be very clear about what's important to him or her. And then you both need to communicate and problem solve and figure out together how you can both achieve your values, not sacrifice them. The goal of all of this is for you to work together to figure out how to coordinate and integrate your values so that you can grow and flourish together in happiness. The goal is not to trade sacrifices so you can be miserable with each other. So love requires a willingness to invest in the relationship, you know, to devote time and effort to building your life together. 
Love requires a willingness to cooperate, to negotiate, to make trade-offs. Love requires lots of positive, life-affirming actions and virtues, but it does not require sacrifice. So this is my second point for you to take away. Okay? Relationships require investment, cooperation, open communication over how best to coordinate and integrate your values. They do not require sacrifice. So that's point number two. Now the final point that I want to make is that unfortunately there is such a thing as real sacrifice. Unfortunately people do actually put themselves into situations and relationships that involve real sacrifices. For example, you know, think about the kind of person who finds it really hard to say no to any request. You know, maybe you know somebody like this, or maybe you are a bit like this yourself. People are constantly making demands, you know, asking for this help or that favor, and the person just can't say no. You know, for whatever reason, they feel guilty, they feel obligated, and they end up actually sacrificing their time and their effort and their own personal values because they don't stand up for themselves. I think that's a fairly common way that people do actually sacrifice themselves for others. But notice that it's also something that people don't generally view as a good thing. I mean, most people don't think that letting yourself be exploited makes for a healthy relationship with other people, right? Let's take another example. You know, think about people who unfortunately stay in abusive relationships because their partner needs them. You know, again, they sacrifice their own happiness and sometimes even their own safety for the sake of someone who doesn't deserve them. This is not a healthy relationship. Or think about, you know, cultural norms that demand certain kinds of sacrifices. I mean, it's not that long ago that women in Western countries were expected to stay home and raise children. So think about a woman, you know, who passionately loves her work, okay, but then she gives it up out of conformity to everyone else's expectations. You know, her husband, her mother, her friends, the whole of society end up pushing her to sacrifice her career aspirations. And this is not just a thing of the past. I mean, you know, Today, there are whole societies where women are expected to be totally subservient to the men in their lives and to have no values of their own. I mean, just look at Saudi Arabia. So, the fact is that the, the phenomenon of people sacrificing for relationships is all too real, and it's all over the place, but this is not a good thing. You know, relationships that involve sacrifice are not healthy, loving relationships. Now, unfortunately, people do find themselves in relationships where, you know, they never get to choose the movie, you know, where their partner is manipulative and demanding and always manages to get them to sacrifice their needs and their values. But that is not a healthy relationship. So, the idea that love requires sacrifice could not be further from the truth. It's not just wrong. It's actually a really evil, vicious idea and it's important to identify it as such. Navigating the kinds of challenges that come up in close relationships is not easy. You know, it takes a lot of work and a lot of communication and a lot of dedication 
to build a healthy, happy, loving relationship. So don't make it even harder by clinging to confused and mistaken concepts and ideas, like the way we typically think of sacrifice. Okay, so actual sacrifice is self-destructive and it destroys healthy relationships. Far from being a requirement of love, it's the surest way to kill a loving relationship. So that's my third and final takeaway from today. So let me wrap up by summarizing the things that we've covered today. Sacrifice does not mean being kind or generous to others. It means losing values, renouncing the things that matter to you, giving up your highest values. Relationships require investment, cooperation, open communication over how best to coordinate and integrate your values. They do not require sacrifice. Actual sacrifice is self-destructive and destructive of healthy relationships. So far from being a requirement of love, it's the surest way to kill a loving relationship. So, my answer to today's big question, no, love does not require sacrifice. Okay, so that brings me to the end of my presentation. In just a minute, I'm going to be joined by Elon Journo, who's going to help me moderate the Q&A. And let me just explain how the Q&A is going to work. If you're, a, if you're a webinar subscriber and you're joining us on Zoom, take a look at the Zoom controls and look for the button that says Q&A. <clears throat> you can post a question there and we'll add it to the queue. Now, uh, last time I heard we had over 500 people subscribe to this webinar, so I can't promise that we'll get to every question, but we'll see how many questions we get. Now, before we turn to the Q&A, uh, I just want to do a couple house cleaning things. So before we turn to the Q&A, you know, I just want to encourage you all to join us again next week, you know, same time, same webinar series. So the topic, the big question that uh, our speaker for next week is Ankar Gatte, who's uh, ARI's philosopher in chief. And the big question that he's going to be discussing is, can there be good without God? You know, so does morality even exist if it's not handed down by some authority figure? So that's the question that he's going to be taking up. So that should be a very interesting question. So be sure to tune in next week. If you're watching this on Facebook or on YouTube and you want to subscribe to this webinar series, uh, the URL to go to is courses.einrand.org slash webinars slash register. So you can actually subscribe to the webinar series. You'll get a message each week letting you know what the big question is, you know, what the topic is that we're going to discuss, and you'll get notifications when the webinar is about to start. Um, so if you're not already subscribed, be sure and subscribe, and be sure to tune in next week for Ankar's presentation. Um, let's see, I also wanted to... Oh yeah, if you have a big question that you'd like to, to take up in future episodes, we're really interested in hearing what kinds of life questions you have. So, you know, our goal here is to explore the answers to life's big questions from the point of view of Ayn Rand's philosophy. So, let us know what are the kinds of questions that are on your mind. You know the big questions of life, and and if you if you have a question that you like that you like us to consider for a future episode, go ahead and send it to webinars at einrand.org. All right, let's see. So I think that's everything I wanted to do. So now um, Ilan Giorno is our moderator for today, and he's going to turn on his camera, 
and um, he's going to join me here. Hi, Ilan. Hi, Keith. You me all right? Yeah, looks good. Okay, so uh, so let's see. We have some questions in the queue. Um, uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce people's names if I think I'll mangle them. So the first question here is, what about a trade-off? What about trade-off decisions between equally valued things for you, or does such a situation not exist? So this is a question that applies not just to relationships, but that acquire, applies to life. I mean, each individual in living, you know, in living your own life, you're constantly weighing your values, and you're constantly having to decide on the course of action in a given moment or across the whole of your life. You have to make decisions about what you're going to do. And so the question of, you know, what if two things seem equally valuable to you, um, you know, you've got to figure that out. And I, I think it's pretty rare that, that in, any, in, in, in some situation, like you're not literally putting these things on a scale, right? So um, there, I don't think there, there isn't any sort of principle that's going to tell you, you know, if they're exactly equal, choose the one on the right or something. I mean, the, there's no substitute for doing the hard thinking about what values mean to you, what kind of implications that's going to have for your life, you know, how it's going to affect your future, that sort of thing, okay? And then making a decision about what you need to do. I mean, if two things are literally equal, then you just need to choose one. Um, so I think that's what I would say. Now, and, and in the context of relationships, it's, it's similar, but it's much more complicated because you're dealing with two people's sets of values and you're talking about shared values and you're trying to figure out how do you coordinate all of those values. Okay, so let's see. So the next question is um, on the issue of having a child where both partners have fulfilling and personally valuable careers, how do you go about navigating? So again, I mean, so my purpose here today is not to offer concrete advice on, on kind of specific challenges that come up in relationships. You know, so I'm not a psychologist, um, and, I, and I, I, don't, I don't think my expertise is going to be helpful in kind of dealing with specific psychological issues that relate to relationships. So, you know, these are difficult questions. You know, you both want to have a child, you both have careers, how do you make that work? There are lots of ways that people make it work. Uh, there are lots of solutions that people find for that I don't I don't think it's it's I have like a laundry list of things that you can do you know often people will will devote while the children are very young they'll spend a certain amount of their time looking after the kids and then they'll go back to work um, you know again there's no substitute for taking the full context into account you, you, I think and I think more importantly there is no pat answer to that because it, it absolutely depends on all the concrete details of the particular situation, right? Who are the people? What kinds of jobs do they have? What kinds of things are possible? Um, let's see. So, yeah, so, so again, um, the principle is you, you want to work together to find a solution that doesn't involve anybody having to sacrifice. And, you know, I mean, it comes up in relationships that people can't figure out what they want to do together that doesn't involve one of them sacrificing. And, um, you know, often this can be a reason why relationships end. Um, the goal is for you to, as I said, as I said in the presentation, 
the goal in all of this is for you to work together to, to see how you can grow together and, and achieve your values together. And if it turns out that that's not possible, you know, often the thing to do is to part ways. Um, okay, let me just look at some of these other questions here. Um, Ilan, did you want to weigh in on any of these questions? You can, you, so you can feel free to join me in answering some of the questions. I'm. Uh, sure, I'm going to pull back. back. I think there's a bit of uh, echo with my mic. I would, oh, okay. I would point you to a few of the questions further in the queue about compromise and then how to evaluate your own values. There's one here about why is the concept sacrifice so misunderstood in the culture? As I've described it, people use the term you know, uh, in a certain way, um, and the way Ayn Rand is thinking of it is very different. So I think that's an important question, and it's something that's really distinctive about Ayn Rand's whole approach to thinking about life's big questions, right? So, you know, another way that you could, you could phrase, formulate this question is, um, you know, Everybody else uses the concept of sacrifice in the way that we discuss. You know, they'll use it to mean trading off. You know, one person gets to choose the movie and tonight, and the other person gets to choose the movie tomorrow. So, if, if this is how the whole culture uses the concept, you know, why is she using it a different way? And is it legitimate for her to be using the concept a different way? Now, what's what's interesting about Ayn Rand's approach to this is that she doesn't just take concepts for granted. You know, here's a concept, this is the way the dictionaries define it, this is the way everybody uses it, so we'll just go with that. She, she, what, she, what she recognizes is that concepts, although they're grounded in real facts, okay, they're also man-made tools. And they can be judged as, you know, good or bad. Uh, they, they, you, you know, just like you can have a car that has a poorly made engine. And every time you try to start it, it doesn't start. And you try to go from point A to point B, it doesn't get you there. Well, just like you can have a poorly made car, um, you can have a poorly made concept. Now, what does it mean for a concept to be poorly made? Well, if you have very different kinds of actions, so you have, on the one hand, you have a couple who's working together to figure out, you know, how they can both achieve their values. So, you know, one, one person likes to do the cooking and the other person doesn't really like that but doesn't mind doing the dishes afterwards. You know, so then they work together and they have the, you know, and they come to the decision that she's gonna do the cooking and he's gonna do the dishes. You know, and it's, it's, it's kind of fair and balanced. Now, if you take something like that and you think, oh, okay, well, so she's going to sacrifice by doing the cooking and he's going to sacrifice by doing the dishes. If you think of that as a sacrifice, okay, now if you take things like that and you put them into the same category, you put them in the same category as the kinds of sacrifices that, you know, the other kinds of examples that I, that I was giving, where people are literally giving up the things that matter to them. You know, they're, they're taking a loss for the sake of the relationship. If you put those two things together under the same concept, that, so those are completely different things, right? Cases where people are, are, are actually, you know, harming themselves, giving up their values, you know, engaging what, what Rand would call real sacrifices, that is completely different from the kinds of 
things that we've been discussing about, you know, just sort of navigating relationship challenges. And if you put all those things together under the same concept, that is a badly formed concept. It's going to make it harder for you to think about how to navigate the challenges of a relationship. And it gets even worse when, when um, you have a viewpoint in the culture that sacrifices a virtue. And they'll point to, you know, so what happens is people will point to, you know, the, the negotiation over how to manage, you know, who gets to watch the movie. And they'll say, see there, that's, isn't that wonderful? Sacrifices a virtue. And they'll use that as a way to rationalize actual sacrifices. And it's, it's incredibly destructive and it's incredibly harmful. So Ayn Rand's approach to this is to say, if you have categories of things that are completely different and completely opposite, morally they're completely opposite, then don't put them together under the same concept. You know, and then so sometimes it can be that you need a new concept, or sometimes it can be that, that you need to clarify. So I think her perspective on the concept of sacrifice is that the actual meaning of sacrifice, if you look at the facts of reality that give rise to that concept, the actual meaning of sacrifice is this giving up the higher values for the sake of lower values, you know, harming yourself. Um, uh, so, and, and so, so the implication of that is that all of these healthy, you know, tactics that couples use to work out things in their relationship, you know, call them what they are. You know, if, if, uh, if, you, if you as a father decide that you and your wife want to have children and, and it makes sense uh, for both of you that you're the one who stays home and raises the children while she goes to work, you know, maybe uh, she's got a better job and you're at a crossroads in your career, you know, don't call that a sacrifice. If, if that's a value to you, don't call that a sacrifice. It's, it's actually um, putting a negative label on something that's incredibly valuable and good. So call it an investment if that's what it is, okay? Um, so, yeah, so, um, so I think this is something that's very distinctive and original to Ayn Rand's approach. And she, this comes up, you know, with respect to all kinds of concepts. Um, and, and you can learn a lot by looking at how she analyzes different concepts and how she unpackages these are, she calls these kinds of concepts package deals because you're putting together these things that don't belong together. Um, and, and it's very interesting to see how she unpackages package deals. Elon, were you going to take up a question or your, your microphone's causing problems? Sorry, Keith, I was responding to the question. Um, the question is very limited to, and uh, I think what would be interesting is to talk a little about some of the questions that I'll move some more of them in about how people evaluate their own rank their own values and uh, the cultural people not having value and thinking about that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you know, this is this is something that could be a good topic, you know, for for a whole uh, future session is is what is involved in the process of forming values and ranking your values, you know. Um, this is this is also not something that people um, that that we necessarily think about a lot in the culture. But the idea it's it's actually to to figure out what you want out of life and what is what is properly and rationally in your interest is a really demanding, challenging task. It takes a lot of work and a lot of thinking, a lot of hard thinking to to evaluate things. Um, uh, so. 
you know, you've got to think about all the different areas of your life, your career, your relationships, you know, even your hobbies, right? And, you know, the goal is to, to think about a long-range path that, um, that ultimately leads you to the most fulfilled kind of life that you can, you can have. All right, so I'm just going to uh, add a few thoughts to this. I think and I haven't gotten around to adding all the questions on this theme in the queue. I'm just trying to catch up everyone. Thanks, by the way, for all your questions. It's great to see you all so engage with the topic. Um, so there's a few questions that have come up, and I think some of them have moved into the queue, and Keith has touched on this, but I think it's important that in thinking about Rand's conception of sacrifice, as Keith pointed out in the definition, one has to have a view of what's more important, or more valuable, and what's less valuable. And a few people have asked, well, how do you know that? Why, you know, there's evidence that some people don't have a clear vision, and Keith is pointing out that it, it takes work to think about what you value and then to rank it. And I think one thing to, to, that's really valuable in Ayn Rand's philosophy that I've found that's helped me in thinking about these kinds of things because this issue is really everywhere. Think about how do you make choices and rank your preferences. And um, Rand has this conception that you, you want to structure your values. You think about them consciously and you want to decide, okay, these are the things that are the most important to me. And, and you think of them as a hierarchy, as a, as a ranked order of what you really want to get out of life. And one of the things she talks about is um, you have a central purpose in life, and that helps to give uh, unity and clarity to what you want in, um, in your time here on earth. So, for example, um, you know, my career is very important to me. My wife is very important to me. My children are very important to me. Those, those three, um, I think my wife and children probably higher than my career, but sometimes that, that there is tension. I, uh, but beyond that, then I have a whole bunch of things I need to decide. How much time am I going to spend on, you know, my discretionary time, which I don't have a lot of. I want to, I want to engage in some hobbies. I want, to, I want to do things for fun. I want to explore things. I want to read for fun beyond work reading. But it's important in order to have decisions where not only am I navigating these with my wife and her preferences, but just in my own life, because you can have a sacrifice where it's just you on your own and you're making decisions where you're putting something that's less valuable uh, ahead of something that's more valuable. So I'll give you an example. Um, so I, as I said, my career is very, very important to me. And if somebody, if one of my neighbors came along and said, you know what, we need you to come and help the neighborhoods uh, picking up trash and, you know, everyone is expected to come along and, you know, that's not important to me. And if I did that in, in place of coming here today to be part of this webinar, that would be a sacrifice because my, I recognize my career is much more important than helping out a few neighbors on some trash cleanup. Um, now, so, so it's important to get that in order to evaluate these kinds of things, you need to have thought about your values and, and rank them. And th there's gonna be changes at different times of your life. Certain things are gonna be more important to you than they, than they are now. So before you have kids, they're not a really an issue, you know, spending time with your kids versus being at work late. But now it's different, you know, so I structure my time in such a way that I get home to see my kids before they go to bed. And then I do some more work in the evening so I can, I can um, get the things I want done um, that way. So the, the key point I want to stress, and one of the valuable things that Rand brings to this issue is 
helping you, guiding you, telling you that, you know, taking your values very seriously means thinking about their relative importance to you and then being able to make those kinds of decisions about what, how you're going to spend your time because it's, it's finite. Uh, and then when you go to the context that Keith has been talking about in romantic relationships or just in any kind of friendship, uh, any relationship you have with other people, it's important to know where you stand and what things you want out of it in order to be able to navigate those kinds of decisions. And sometimes you make a mistake and you realize, well, you know, it turns out I wasn't that interested in this and I will do it differently. Uh, and one final thing I would add here is in a few people, and again, I, I'm going to try to get to these in the queue and move them over in case Keith wants to add. Um, I think there is an issue for people, especially today, where um, for various reasons, some of them psychological, some of them more cultural and, and philosophical, people don't have enough self-awareness. They, they, it's a skill. They're not that reflective. Uh, introspection is a skill, thinking about what you want in your own mind. And when, if you don't know yourself well, then it's hard to know, well, where do these values rank for me? And how would I, what would I put in the top? What I, what, how would I rank the rest of them below that? And Ayn Rand has written about this and it comes up in some of her writings on the theory of art uh, in the book, The Romantic Manifesto, which is a very philosophic book. And it's, it's really valuable for everyone to think about because it talks about the role of values in life. But one of the things she points out there is in our culture, and this is writing, you know, decades ago, the self-knowledge that people should be should be capable of and should have as a norm is sorely lacking. And for, for and she identifies the philosophic reasons for that. So I would say for some of those of you who are asking about how do I know where my values are? What about people who don't have deep values and they're very superficial? Some of that is definitely a cultural phenomenon that you can identify. And and what Rand would say, I think here is know yourself. It's really important to identify what matters to you, have reasons for it, and then to identify a structure for them, a hierarchy of values, and then build your, your life around that so that you can achieve the values you want without sacrificing and making decisions that really serve your goals. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mute now and yeah. back, back to you. To you. Okay. Yeah, so I'm looking at some of these other questions on the queue. So David Birnbaum had a follow-up to the concert example, and he says if the, so if the husband, I'll just, I'll, I'll summarize it, if the husband, you know, has anxiety and needs the wife to be there, and, um, and so if she makes a decision to forego the fantastic concert for her husband, he says if she does it out of duty, that would be a sacrifice. But if she honestly decides that she values her husband more than the concert, then, you know, others may think it's a sacrifice, but but is it not a sacrifice for her? And I think I, I do want to, uh, I think it's a good question to follow up on because, you know, if I'm presenting an example like that, you know, I'm only, I'm giving two sentences of context. And, and the fact is in any given situation like this, there's all kinds of factors that people have to take into account. And it could, you know, so the, 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 um, the point is that yes, you have to take the full context into account. The only people who can really make the decision about where their values lie and what is more important and what is less important are the people that are involved. Now, if she, if, if um, you talk about the husband having social anxiety and needs the wife there. Now, again, we're kind of getting into psychological territory, which is not my expertise, but you know, there are situations where 
people are making decisions because, you know, one of the people in the relationship has a certain neurotic kind of uh, quality. And there can be ways in which that's not healthy. And it might be that, you know, she she thinks she values him, values being there more. But, you know, in the long run, it's not it's not really healthy. And she's giving up. She is giving up something that's really valuable uh, because of some sort of psychological factor like that, that's that's not necessarily legitimate, or that he, you know, maybe he's so is he is he taking steps to work on his social anxiety, and this is part of the process. Then maybe it is a value, but if he's not, you know, and and then then maybe it's not. So, you know, the, the my point is not that there's a pat answer for any of these kinds of examples. My point is, the goal is to figure out how you can both achieve your values and grow together as a couple without anybody having to make sacrifices and to and to have a uh, to, to clarify what the meaning of sacrifice is um, so that you can think you know so so that you can think more clearly about these examples now another question that we have here for this is from an anonymous attendee um, what does real sacrifice do to a relationship is resentment a factor I think the answer is absolutely. I mean, you know, you see this all the time. People, you know, people who are in relationships where they find themselves, you know, being the one who's constantly making actual sacrifices get burned out, they get resentful. You know, it's not a healthy situation to be in. Um, and I think it's legitimate, you know, if, if, they're, if, if, uh, they're, if they're doing it out of a sense of duty or, um, you know, th there can be all kinds of not good reasons why people do this. Um, but, and, and I, so part of what I was saying is that when people are in a position where they're actually committing, engaging, making real sacrifices in a relationship, it's, it's, it's going to be destructive in some way. It's going to be harmful and, and resentment can be one um, factor. So Ilan wanted to add, add to that question, so I'm going to mute and I'll let you speak. Thanks, Keith. Uh, I just, yeah, I definitely think it's important to think about resentment, but another way to, to view this is if, if there's a pattern in which an individual is continually sacrificing what's, in, what's valuable to the higher value for them and a lower value uh, to someone else or for some other purpose, yeah, resentment I think is one concomitant, one side, one effect of that but think of it just if you translate it into other terms, it, it just means that the things that you value are not being achieved. You're, you're letting them go. You're, you're selling them out. You're throwing them away. And eventually, if this is a persistent pattern, your own person, your own, your own experience of life will be affected and it will really impact you. And I think resentment is definitely one way in which that's experienced. But just imagine what it m would mean for you to have a policy or a consistent pattern where the things that are really valuable to you, you just don't pursue or you forego. And what would that look like in your life? It would mean empty of values. It would mean empty of meaning and then empty of, of happiness. So it, there's a huge, huge cost to yourself. And this is you know, another perspective on Ayn Rand's sort of ethics, which is it's about achieving values in life. and pursuing the things that really matter and identifying what those are rationally. And if you are not doing that, you're not really pursuing your life. You're, you're giving up an installment plan or, or in, in incremental steps. You're giving up what's most important is your time here on earth. 
and your ability to enjoy it and get the most out of it. Um, so Keith, uh, I had one suggestion about the question regarding compromise and sacrifice. I think it's in the queue. There are a few people with that kind of question. Maybe you want to turn to that. Sure, I can say a couple things and then if you want to add to it, you can. So is, is sacrifice and is compromise a form of sacrifice? So one of, the, one of the things that's important to distinguish is between compromise on principle versus you know, negotiating and making trade-offs over the details of something. So, you know, people, I, I think it's legitimate if you talk about, you know, uh, w watching movies together and, and you decide, okay, you can pick the movie tonight and I'll pick the movie tomorrow night. You know, that's, you, can, you can talk about that as being a compromise um, or making, or some other form of negotiation. Um, and, and so that's a, so I think that's a, that's a, uh, a kind of compromise that where nobody is having, is sacrificing anything. Now, when the problem is compromise is another one of these concepts that can be used in different ways and in very different, in, in very different and even opposite ways. When people, um, praise the virtue of compromise, often what they're, ex what they're asking people to do is to compromise on a principle or compromise on, you know, something that's, uh, deeply important. And, and they'll say that, that you're, you know, just being intransigent or being, um, stubborn, you know, if you're not willing to give up the things that are really important to you for the sake of, 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 uh, the relationship. So there is a difference between compromise and sacrifice, and there are forms of compromise that, that are reasonable. And, and, and again, it's important to parse those out. Ayn Rand actually has, um, has a short essay uh, on this very topic, and it's called, I think it's called Doesn't Life Require Compromise? And I'm not sure if it's available on our website. If you go to campus.einrand.org and, and you search for it there, you can see if it's available on our website. Doesn't Life Require Compromise? If not, I, it's, a, it's in the collection of essays called The Virtue of Selfishness, um, and you can find the essay there. Ilan, did you want to add to that? Yes, yes, thank you. Uh, one quick thing. Uh, one of the uh, viewers on Facebook has asked if you could just um, go back a few slides. They, they want to see the takeaways uh, from the webinar. Maybe you can just pause on that slide for a moment while people are still watching. Yes, I did want to add to the compromise versus sacrifice, because I think in terms of how, how we experience sacrifice and when they come up, they often occur in the context when we're trying to find compromise. And I think, as Keith suggested, definitely read Ayn Rand's analysis of compromise. She has a lot of really deep things to say about how to think about compromise and to un unpackage the way in which people have put together things that are very different. Um, so she has the essay, Doesn't Life Require Compromise? Um, you can actually find it on our website in the uh, campus section, um, and we'll share a link to that um, Later. So the one thing I wanted to add about compromise is, again, if you think about um, part of, if you've read Ayn Rand's analysis, this will be a refresher, but if you haven't, one of the things she points out is in order to identify whether a compromise is a legitimate adjustment of claims and, a, and kind of a, a mutually agreeable um, accommodation when nobody's sacrificing, you have to know what your values are. And you have to know what's at stake in the given um, issue and, and sort of what's in dispute. 
And again, it goes back to this idea of really understanding what matters to you and ranking your values and being clear about what am I getting into here? So I think it, it's really helpful to think about um, in your adjustment with what movie am I gonna watch? Oh, that's compromise. You wanna watch this this week. I wanna watch that one that week. It, it, simple examples like that can be helpful, but then think about in a business setting or in a work context and you're trying to negotiate with somebody but what's really at stake and what would be the consequences of engaging in this compromise? Is it a legitimate compromise or isn't it? And this is one of the really clarifying things in Rand's analysis of compromises. There is such a thing as an illegitimate compromise or a compromise that is baked into it is some kind of sacrifice, uh, some kind of appeasement of somebody else where you're giving up something really valuable and what you're getting in return is not really um, to your is not what you should be getting out of the deal. So this is another plug for uh, reading her analysis on this, and perhaps it'll be a topic we can cover in a future uh, webinar. So I, I, just a very quick one. We're, we're kind of let's see. We're getting we're gonna we're we're getting close to the end of our time here. So I just will take a couple quick ones. So uh, Ricardo Burke says, I often hear people say that sacrifice is necessary for love. Where should one point to to demonstrate that it's not in fact necessary, assuming they haven't read Ayn Rand? Well, um, you know, not to be too self-aggrandizing here, but once uh, the, the plan is that this webinar will be posted on YouTube after it's done. And since this is exactly the topic that we've just covered and we have pointers to other things they can read about in Rand's writings, um, I would just send them the link to this webinar. <laughs> so, so that's a quick one. Then the other, uh, another one that I thought was a good kind of follow-up question, Trevor Musa asks, is being happy for someone else's happiness a form of second-handedness? Now, second-handedness is a concept that Ayn Rand uses in The Fountainhead, and it has to do with the idea of, of placing your life and your value, or placing other people's opinions and other people's uh, view of you higher than your your own individuality and your own you know assessment of yourself so the question is is it second-handed are you living you know in a second-handed way if you're being happy for someone else's happiness so and i think the answer is no i mean it depends what um so part part of what i was trying to get at in in part of the webinar was this is what it means to be in love with someone you know, to, to, to love them means that their happiness is important to you. But, but, not if, but not at the expense of your own self and your own happiness. So there's a great line in Ayn Rand's novel, The Fountainhead, where at one point one of the characters says, to say I love you, one must know first how to say the I. So to love somebody, you have to be somebody who loves things, who has values, who knows what you love and who knows what you want out of life and who is pursuing those values and is, and is pursuing a life of flourishing and happiness. And then when you fall in love with somebody else, that, you know, complements everything else in your life and it adds to your values and their happiness you know, you're, you're when, you know, like when people get married, I mean, you're building your lives together, right? You're, you're, um, and, and, you know, so their values and their happiness become part of your set of values and, and it becomes part of your happiness. So it's not second-handed as long as you, you 
uh, evaluate things rationally and you have and you maintain your hierarchy of values and you maintain you know the the uh, the view that the your goal ultimately is is to achieve your happiness in life and that includes you know supporting your partner's happiness when that adds to your happiness another anonymous attendee says that uh, people claim that if you think only about yourself and you only value yourself all the time you don't develop an, an empathetic mindset that's required for a healthy relationship um, so again i think this is a question that's aimed at sort of clarifying what does it mean to um, you know to be self-interested you know i think this is a good topic for a future webinar because this is another big question and it's another concept that ayn rand really unpacks you know what does it mean to be selfish what does it truly mean to be selfish we we take it for granted in our culture that that's a bad thing but is it actually a bad thing so you know what does it actually mean and and uh, so I, I think that's that's something we can add to the queue for future webinars now um so you know if you think about yourself only and you only uh, value yourself all the time I think that is unhealthy that's not what it looks like to to be a rational valuer and to live a happy fulfilling life other people are values right relationships with other people are an important part of your life so uh, it's true that you need to develop um, the skills at being in relationships with people you know you need to have social awareness you need to build empathy you need to have these kinds of qualities in order to figure out how to navigate relationships with other people so that they can benefit your life and add to it okay so I think we're uh, getting close to the end of our time so let me um, sorry let me go to my final slides here so I was just gonna give a reminder um, here's here's all of the reminders. So next week, um, Ankar Gatte is going to be taking up the big question: Can there be good without God? And again, if you're not already registered for that, there's the URL: courses.einrand.org/webinar/register. If you have a big question you'd like us to take up um, in a future episode, if you'd like us to consider it, send it to webinars at einrand.org. And let me just close by saying thank you all for joining us today. This was really fun. I hope you had a good time as well. Send us your thoughts, comments, feedback. You, you know, you can uh, webinars at einrand.org email. Let us know what you thought. And we look forward to doing this again next week. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Ayn Rand Institute Live podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. You can also find us on YouTube. If you like this content, please share or leave us a review. For more information, go to einran.org.